Well, good morning and welcome to Soul City Church. How you doing this holiday weekend? How you doing? Yeah, you better be. It's gorgeous outside. Have a great weekend, holiday weekend. It's great to see you. My name is Jarrett Stevens. I'm one of the lead pastors here at Soul City Church, and I love when we gather together like this. I love seeing y'all here, those of you who are here and in our overflow space or watching online. Uh, we're just so grateful that you would carve out time to connect with God and grow in your relationship with God. Our hope is that over the next you know, couple minutes or so, the time we have together, you would have an undeniable transformational experience with God. And so I'm so, so glad that you're here. So much happening in our church right now, exciting days to be a part of what God's doing here. I don't know if you noticed, but we're expanding our space to the east. Our transformation center is going up and it's going up fast. It is awesome to think about us being there. Uh, later this fall, we're gonna move into that space and so excited about that. For the last couple of weeks, Jeannie and I and some staff members, some volunteers have been leading tours through the new space. And it's so fun to take people through it for the very first time. People who have faithfully given to that vision, people who are just now getting caught up in what God's doing. And so I just wanted to let you know, if you want to do a tour of our space, uh, if you received an email about that, you can just RSVP through the link in your email. We'd love for you to do that because these things can fill up. Or if you didn't get one and you kind of maybe you know, want to see what it's all about, then you can go to our website and you can sign up for a spot. In fact, there's a tour going on right now, and then after this gathering, there'll be another tour at 11.15 today, so you can go over to our concierge desk or our next desk, and they can get y'all signed up to do that. We want you to see, but more than that, we want you to be a part of what God's doing in this exciting new season for our church. Uh, today, we're kicking off a brand new teaching series called Unstoppable Force. We're going to look at what it means for you to actually live an unbeatable, undefeatable, unimaginable life with God, how you can actually be a part of something way, way bigger than you. A moment ago, we had you turn to the person next to you and talk about something that you were a part of in the past that you wish would have lasted forever. And that maybe brought up some emotions, some memories with that. We all have those things in our life. Maybe it was Isabella said summer camp memory for you, or maybe it was a summer camp crush that you wish would have lasted forever, but you only made it till Friday with them uh, of camp, you know, and you said, you swore you'd write, but you didn't. Uh, maybe for you, it was a team that you were on, a sports team that you were on. You thought, oh man, if we could just stay together forever, but it didn't. Uh, maybe for you, there's college. Maybe college is one of those, at least the parts that you remember. College was a time in your life that you go, oh, I wish that would have lasted forever. But you know that it, that it can't. I mean, when I was in college, I was a part of something that I wish would have lasted forever. I was a part of a sketch comedy improv troupe. Uh, and, why are you laughing? That's not even, that's not the joke. That's not the funny part yet. <laughs> Same thing happened to me back then too. And so we, I, we were legit as far as I was concerned. We had a, a name, it was called Squeaky Wheel. We thought we were so clever and so creative. It was four of us, and we would gather together on Sunday nights to write and to rehearse stuff from about 7 a.m. or 7 p.m. We'd have dinner together that night, and then we'd go till past midnight, 1 a.m. in the morning. And if you lived in the, in the 90s, if you lived in the San Francisco East Bay area, you probably, uh, most likely, uh, never heard of us. We never really... <laughs> We had two gigs over three years the whole time we were together, but it was the work that mattered, and that's what we were committed to. Unfortunately, uh, Second City never called Saturday Night Live, never got wind of what we were up to in the Bay Area, so eventually the squeaky wheel had to disband, and uh, we stopped meeting together as a troop, and that's what ha that, that happens, doesn't it? Inevitably, things actually come to 
an end. There's a lot of things in our world that we hope or we think will never end, uh, but they do. A lot of things that promise that they'll never end, but eventually they do. Their empires throughout history have promised that they'll never end, but they do. From the Egyptian empire to the Roman empire, the British empire, even Darth Vader thought his empire would last forever, but it didn't. That was Patrick's joke, by the way. I want to let everyone know that that was not my caliber of joke. There are sports dynasties that we wish would last forever, but we're from Chicago and we know that's just not how it works, right? That's just not how it works. Maybe one day. We just know that it doesn't. There are companies that promise that they would last forever. And you thought maybe when you, you know, this will go on forever. Uh, Just case in point, anyone here old enough to remember what Netscape is? Does anyone know what Netscape is? The very first days of the internet, that's how you got there is through nets. Anyone here uh, uh, like use AOL or have an AOL? Do you, anyone have an AOL email still, by the way? It's amazing. You prop, okay, well, you probably have a flip phone too, but the point is, we're, no, but we're glad you're here. We're so glad that you, and you know that it can't last forever, right? Everything eventually comes to an end. Listen, history is a buzzkill. Because what it tells us is that all great things eventually come to an end. Nothing lasts forever. No empire, no industry, no human endeavor lasts forever. So with that being said, I thought I could wrap up the message time and just end on a high note. (laughs) Nothing lasts forever. Let's pray. Good luck out there. No, there's actually... That would be a real bummer. There's actually more to the story than that. While it's true that no human endeavor lasts forever, there is one thing, there is one movement, one unstoppable force that has actually stood the test of time. One movement that has continued to grow while empires fall. One entity that has defied the inevitability of history, and that is God's church. God's church has prevailed from day one. It's the only endeavor that will actually last forever. Listen to that. God's church is the only endeavor that will last forever, meaning that it echoes throughout eternity. It's not only going to not end in this world. The work of the church exists throughout eternity. For 2,000 years now, God's church has prevailed. And while it's far from perfect, it is far from done. It's the only thing in this world that you can actually be a part of that is bigger than you, that will outlast you, that will outlive you, but that you get to make a contribution to, that you actually get to shape and be a part of. And it gives meaning to who you are and the life that you live. You get to be an unstoppable force for God's love in this world through his church. Now, God's church, which is built on the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus, has at its core two secret ingredients, two core elements that make it different from every other organization or institution throughout human history. Two inseparable values that give deep meaning and purpose, not only to the church, but to your life and to my life as well. These two values are at the center of this church. We built this church, Soul City Church, on these two values. And it's my prayer and my hope that they would become central to your life. So I want us to dive in and discover what these two inseparable values are to the unstoppable force 
of the church. So if you have a Bible with you, I want you to open it to Acts chapter two. It's a central text to our church, Acts chapter two. So if you brought one with you, fantastic. If you've got it on your phone, that's awesome. If not, there's a gray Bible right in front of you. Why don't you grab a gray Bible and a pen because we're gonna jot some stuff down and we're gonna look at the start of the church and what's actually at the center of it all. The reason it is the only human or the only endeavor to actually last forever. It's on page 759 in the gray Bible right in front of you. So you can grab that and go to page 759. Let me give you context as to where we're coming at in Acts chapter two. The events that we're about to look at in the next few moments happen about a month and a half after the death and resurrection of Jesus. So very shortly after he had been crucified and raised by God from the dead. They're about 10 days after Jesus ascended into heaven. So about 10 days after he had been, you know, went to heaven to be with his father, this happens. Now you have to imagine those first followers were still trying to make sense of everything that had happened. They were still trying to figure it all out when all of history changed around them. They were in the city of Jerusalem. And in that moment, the city of Jerusalem, there was a celebration called Pentecost. Folks from all over the known world, hundreds of thousands of folks would travel to Jerusalem to celebrate Passover, which was the weekend that Jesus was crucified and raised by God from the dead. And then many of them would stay on for about a month and a half or so to celebrate Pentecost. So the, the city is tripled in size at that point with all these folks from all over the known world there to celebrate Passover and Pentecost. And at Pentecost, God does something he'd never done before. He pours out the Holy Spirit, just like Jesus promised, pours out the Holy Spirit into human hearts. And when that happens, the power and presence of God took over and there was about 120 or so believers that this happened to. And out of that circle, Peter walks out and in front of the crowds of thousands and thousands and thousands of people, Peter gives his first sermon ever. He gives his first account of the life and the death and the resurrection of Jesus. And not only what had happened, but what it meant for them. Now, this is the first recorded event of anyone ever giving the gospel the gospel is God's good news, and this is the first time anyone ever gave it, and the response is amazing. Verse 40, Acts chapter 2, verse 40. It says that after Peter had given this sermon with many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. Turn and repent now. Now, we're going to keep reading through the passage, but I want to let you know, when I pause here, that means I want you to shout back the next word or phrase. We do this every week at Soul City, but if you're new, I want to let you know that. We do that for two reasons. One, it engages you in the story of God, and it lets me know uh, who's awake and who's asleep. So uh, when I pause, you shout it back to me. It says, in verse 41, those who accepted, who responded, who said yes to his message were baptized. About how many? About 3,000 were added to their number that day. That's incredible. 3,000 people in an instant said yes to Jesus and were baptized immediately. Last week at our church, we celebrated baptism. We have spontaneous baptism. We open it up to anyone who said yes to Jesus to come say yes to baptism. We were just under 3,000 people uh, last, <clears throat> last weekend. That's an amazing response to see people say yes to Jesus, over 3,000 people. That is the first sermon. That's the first Sunday. For those of you, maybe there's a lot of, you know, maybe some of you like don't like big churches. For whatever reason, you have your story about big churches and you don't like big churches. I don't think you'd like the first church 
because it was a mega church from the giddy up. It was a mega church from the first sermon. And that's not all. It continued to grow. Acts chapter 4, 4 tells us that it continued to grow and grow and grow and grow. So this is a pretty significant thing to see. Let's keep moving, though, to look at what they did, how they responded to the grace of God made evident through his life and death and resurrection. It says this in verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' what? To the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. So they gathered together in a large group to hear from the apostles, but then they gathered together in small groups for fellowship, community, connection. And it says that they committed themselves to the breaking of bread and to prayer, to sharing meals together and to the discipline of prayer. They respond to the grace of God by saying yes to him. And then they begin to grow by continuing to saying yes to the promptings that God brought them to gather together, to be in each other's homes, to share meals, to pray together. They begin to grow. They begin to live out their lives together as a spiritual community. Verse 43 says that everyone was filled with what? Everyone was filled with awe. awe. Now listen, you need to say that word like onomatopoeia style. You need to make it sound like what it sounds like. So I want you to say, ah. Oh. Okay, so they were filled with ah. Oh. Oh. They were filled with awe and amazement and wonder. They were overwhelmed at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. What does that mean, wonders and signs? Well, what Jesus promised before he left this earth, he said to his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you. I'm going to send the Holy Spirit to be in you, and you will do greater things than me. Now, imagine for those first followers of Jesus, they're like, really? Greater? Like, because I saw you raise a dude from the dead once. Like, that greater than... And that's exactly what happened. The power and presence of God made evident through the Holy Spirit led them to do things they could have never done on their own. And many miracles were being performed and people were in awe. History had never seen anything like this. Verse 44, all the believers were together and had everything in common. That doesn't mean that they're all into the same music. It means that they saw their stuff as our stuff. But they were together on one page in unity. There was a harmony among them. And look at this. It says they sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Think about that. That's some next level living. Like, we, you know, it's a, it's a big deal to, to get up and to show up at church. And I'm glad you did. I'm so glad you're here. Like, we make a big deal about going one day a week for about an hour and a half. And so you did that. You get a medal today for doing that. That's awesome. Or maybe you go to the next level. You say, I'm not only going to go to church, I'm going to join a small group. And that's amazing. That's absolutely amazing. Or maybe I'm going to start serving on a serving team, or I'm going to start partnering with one of our love works teams. That's amazing. It's absolutely, it's what we talk about all the time here, that that's when your life begins to change, is when you get involved in what God is doing in and through your life in this world. That's massive. But when was the last time you took an inventory of all of your life and began to ask yourself the question, does anyone need this more than me? When was the last time you opened up your closet in the morning and thought, I wonder if someone else needs these clothes more than I do? When was the last time you looked at your home, your apartment, and thought, I wonder if I can make room for anyone else who maybe doesn't have a home, doesn't have a place to stay right now. See, that, that's 
what overtook this unstoppable movement is they saw their stuff as our stuff and they even sold what they had to supply any need that anyone had among them. This is uncommon living. And the city took notice. It says this in verse 46, every day, again, we make a big deal about like an hour and a half, one day a week, every day actually, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. They would gather together to worship in the temple and then they would gather together to share life and biblical community in their homes. And it says this in verse 47, they were praising God and they enjoyed the favor of all the people. That phrase, all the people, actually means the people outside of this unstoppable force. Those who were in the city who saw what God was doing, there was a blessing on what they were doing because they had never seen anything like this before. People loving each other this fully and freely, this kind of generosity, this kind of openness with resources, they had never seen anything like this before. There was a blessing that went far further than just those original folks. Praising God, enjoying the favor of all the people. And look at this. And the Lord added to their number, how often? The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. I mentioned Acts 4 Verse four, in Acts 4, 4, it actually says that the church within a couple of weeks had grown to over 5,000 men. Now, they, that's how they counted back then was they would count the men. So if you were to add in women, you know, spouses, children, it's easy to perceive that this first church within the matter of a couple of weeks, couple of months, was most likely over 10,000 people strong. And it kept growing. God kept adding to their number as people saw this unstoppable force of love. They were drawn to it. Even when their leaders were arrested and persecuted, it fanned the flame of their faith even more and more and more and more people were finding Jesus and joining up in the unstoppable force of the church. And at the center of this unstoppable force is two inseparable values that we just saw as we looked in that text. That an unstoppable force, the truth is an unstoppable force like the church, there's not been nothing like the church in human history, but unstoppable force always has inseparable values. That it's not an either or sort of thing. Unstoppable forces have these inseparable values. They're able to hold a couple of things together in harmony, the same value. And the two values that we just saw played out in that story in Acts chapter two, the inseparable values, the two secret ingredients of that church were this, grace and growth. These are the inseparable values of the unstoppable movement of the church, grace and growth. Now we saw grace when we saw in the text people Responding to the gospel message, 3,000 people, 5,000, 10,000 people responding to what God had done for them through Jesus. We saw grace when people opened their homes and when they realized that God had made room at the table for them, they literally opened up their homes and said, there's rooms at my table for you. That's grace. We see grace in how they gave of their belongings, that there was a sharing, there was an openness about them that was attractive to others. And God was adding to their number daily those who were saying yes 
to his grace, his outrageous, irrational love for them. And also we see growth happening. We see growth in that text because we see them gathering together every day under the apostles' teaching to hear about what Jesus had done. Now, please keep in mind that these apostles were not trained preachers. They didn't go to seminary for this. They were still trying to figure out everything Jesus meant a couple months ago. And here they are now leading thousands of people and people would gather to grow under their teaching. Imagine what that first teaching must have sounded like. Um, this one time, uh, Jesus on a boat. I mean, that's, I mean, that, because they didn't, this is the first time any of them were doing any of this. But people committed to gathering under their teaching, to hearing about what God had actually been made known throughout all of scripture, and now had been made known through Jesus, his death and resurrection, the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. They committed themselves to growing in their giving, their opening up of their lives, of their resources. We see how they're committed to prayer, the discipline of prayer, the spiritual practice of prayer. Again, we don't know if they'd ever prayed like this ever before, but now there's an outpouring of prayer as people are growing in the grace of their relationship with Jesus. See, this is really what it's all about, these inseparable values of grace and growth. And the message and the mantra of that church and the message and the mantra of this church and the, the message and the mantra of grace and growth people basically is this. They could sum it all up for you by saying this. God's done it all for me and God's not done with me. That's grace and growth. God's done it all for me. That's grace. And God's not done with me. That's growth. I think that's preaching better than you're listening. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to turn to the person next to you. I want you to look them in the eyes. Everyone needs to look at the person next to you. Look there in the eye, like right now. Like don't stop looking at your phone. Look at them in the eyes. And I want you to say this. God's done it all for me. And God's not done with me. That's grace and that's growth. That's grace and growth. God's done it all for me, and God is not done with me. I'm a grace and growth kind of person. I know that I don't deserve any of this, and I know that I don't have it all figured out. Grace and growth. Now, there are some people, and I suppose, I guess for that matter, there are some churches that tend to believe that you, you can't have it all. You can't have it both ways. You can't have grace and growth. You gotta, at some point, sort of focus on one over the other. And so, in lots of different ways, they become either a grace or a growth kind of church or kind of people. Lots of great churches that are kind of more on the grace side of things where they really believe their mission is to get as many people to say yes to Jesus as possible. And thank God for those churches. Maybe you grew up in a church like that. And you know what kind of a, this kind of church, a grace church that emphasizes grace over growth because lots of times there are big events with sort of big response times to Jesus and lots of people coming forward and saying yes to Jesus. Powerful thing. But when it comes to how they help people grow in their faith, how they help them mature in their faith, how they help them develop their faith. Lots of times, there's not as much there with these kind of people or these kind of churches because their emphasis is just getting people over the line to say yes to Jesus. Great churches, but 
They emphasize grace over growth. But then there's also lots of people and lots of churches that emphasize growth over grace. And their kind of belief is, well, God's going to lead people to him however he does that. Our job is to sort of huddle up and help these people grow. There's nothing wrong with that. This is the kind of church that I grew up in, a growth-based church. I'm grateful for that church. I wouldn't be who I am today if it weren't for that church. I'm grateful for that church. But lots of times, these kind of churches are typically thoroughly committed only to those who are thoroughly committed. And you can tell these kind of churches because they have lots of different classes and programs and retreats and all kinds of things to fill your calendar to help you grow. And so you have a very sort of busy life keeping up with all the work that it takes to grow in one of these kinds of churches. Again, nothing wrong with that kind of church, grateful for that kind of church, but Typically, these kind of churches don't always see a lot of numeric growth because they're focused on insiders versus outsiders. And even the church I grew up in, which I'm so grateful for, there wasn't a lot of focus on our neighbors and those in our city and what was going on around us in the Bay Area. There's a lot of focus on us, not them. And so there's different people and there's different churches who tend to take one over the other. They're either a grace or a growth kind of person. Now, these are obviously generalizations, but that's not the picture that we see in Acts chapter two, is it? What we see in Acts chapter two is that they are grace and growth people, that it's a grace and growth church, that the two actually work in harmony with each other. And we want to be the kind of church that is a grace and growth kind of church, that our doors are open as wide as possible for anyone to find Jesus, and we want to help as much as possible for people to follow Jesus. We want to see people coming to faith and growing in their faith. We want to be a grace and growth kind of church. And we know that that's not anything necessarily that any program that we produce, that really is the spirit of those who inhabit the church. Are you a kind of grace and growth person? Because what I've found is that the two actually really are not only inseparable, but actually propel the other. Let me show you what I mean. When I get God's grace, when I get what God has done for me, I'm overwhelmed and amazed. And what I begin to realize is how much more needs to be done. I get who I was and who I am in Jesus, but now I want to know who am I to become in him and where are the areas that he's inviting me to grow, to let go of the control that I've tried to have over my life. And so when I say yes to grace, what it inevitably leads me to is that there's a lot more places in my life where I need to keep saying yes to Jesus. And the more that I do that, the more that I begin to grow, the more that I begin to discover who God has created me to be and the life that he's actually intended for me to live, the more I begin to realize how much I need Jesus to do that. That the more I begin to grow, the more I realize, oh my gosh, I, I cannot do this on my own. I need Jesus now more than ever. In fact, I'll be really honest with you. I've been a follower of Jesus for over 35 years now, and I can tell you confidently, I need grace more today than I did when I was seven years old and said yes to Jesus. 
I'm aware of that, that I need, I am aware of who I am and what I'm capable of and that God would continue to love me and extend relationship to me. I need grace. And then the more that I begin to see that I need grace, my eyes begin to open as I grow and realize, hey, there are other people in my life who need God's grace. That he didn't do all of this just for me, but that there are others who need to hear about this outrageous, irrational love of God. And so the more I begin to share God's grace and God's love with others, the more I actually begin to grow in the process. My faith is grown. My faith is matured. And the more that happens, the more I begin to realize I need Jesus more than ever and my friends need Jesus more than they may even know. And this circle of grace and growth really exists at the heart of the church as it's intended to be and at the heart of those who are a part of it. We need both. And we want to be that kind of church, a grace and growth kind of church, a church that's both deep and wide. That's deep and wide. We want to be an unstoppable force for God's love in this city and in this world. And when we live it out, people are drawn to what God's doing. And when we make room for them to experience God, our faith begins to grow. And so the grace And growth transformational cycle continues in each of our lives. That's the kind of church we want to be. That's the kind of church we are. Not perfect, but a grace and growth kind of church. But that's only ever going to happen for us. If that's ever going to happen for this church, the only way it's going to happen for us is when it happens in you. The only way we're ever going to become a grace and growth kind of church that opens our doors as wide as possible for anyone to find Jesus and helps people as best we can for people to follow Jesus, the only way that's ever going to happen is if it happens in you, if you are committed to both in your life. Again, there's no amount of program that we can do to make that happen in you. That's actually not our job. Our job is not to do spiritual growth for you. Our responsibility is to help you take responsibility, to say yes to Jesus, and then to keep saying yes to every place of growth that he leads you. That's the kind of church we want to be, and it only ever happens when you and me commit ourselves to a vision of grace and growth. And I saw such a beautiful snapshot of that happening. I get to see lots of places where I see this happening in our church, but it happened this last Thursday night when uh, Gene and I were doing one of the tours of the new space. And I got to see what grace and growth looks like in the life of a friend of mine. In fact, he's sitting right here, Carlito. And uh, I want to shout you out for a little bit, bud. So Carlito has been coming to our church for a couple years now. Him and his family come. They always sit right here. I mean, I always, I don't have to look far to know. I think you have reserved seats right here in the front. And we were talking afterwards. And what Carlito shared with our tour was that a couple of years ago, uh, this is not the kind of person that he was. He had you know, God was not at the center for him. And what God had done is brought him back through God's grace into relationship with him. And what's so fun is Carlito was baptized uh, with our church about two years ago. And in fact, we have a picture of it. I want to show you a picture of his baptism. Isn't that an awesome picture? If you ever wonder, like if anyone ever says, if anyone says, hey, what's baptism? Just show him this picture. I mean, that pretty much sums it all up. And what we were talking about after the tour is that 
not only has God really brought him into relationship and made him aware of who he is and what God has done for him, but we started talking about Carlito's love for the Bible. And this man loves the Bible. And as we were talking, he basically started breaking down the whole Old Testament for me in about five minutes and connecting all the dots. And I'm just trying to keep up. I'm taking notes. I'm trying to keep up on what he's saying. And what I saw in his passion, his love for God and for God's word, is I saw a man living in the cycle of grace and growth. And as we were talking, his heart overflowed. He said, I I just want everyone to know this. I want everyone to experience this. That's grace and growth. When you say, I get who I am and what God has done for me, and I get who I can become in him and that God's not done with me, that's grace and growth. And if we're ever going to become a grace and growth kind of church, then it takes you and me being grace and growth kind of people. People who say yes to Jesus and then keep saying yes and keep saying yes and keep saying yes. So my question to you is, how are you doing with grace and growth? Are these the two inseparable values at the center of your life? Are these a part of your life in in any way right now, any shape or form? What about grace? Simple question. Have you said yes to God's incredible offer of love and relationship to you? Have you said yes? Because here's what we talk about all the time here. God's already said yes to you. His son Jesus' death and resurrection is his yes to you. Have you said yes to him? Or maybe it's been a long time. Do you need to say yes again to him, to come back home to him, to relationship with him? Here's how you kind of a little barometer of where grace is at in your life. Is there anyone in your life currently right now that for whatever reason, you are unwilling to forgive. Maybe you've received God's forgiveness for you, but when it comes to forgiving that person, when it comes to forgiving your ex, when it comes to forgiving that old business partner, well, God God understands they don't deserve that. That's a barometer. That's a quick check of how grace is growing in you, is your willingness, your availability to forgive others, your availability and willingness to forgive yourself. I know for lots of you, there's, things that God has already forgiven you for in your life. Things from your past. And you still haven't forgiven yourself. God's forgiven you. But you haven't forgiven yourself. Where's grace at for you in your life? What about for for others who haven't heard about God's unbelievable love? Here's how you check how grace is doing. Do you care about the people around you who don't care about God? Do you care about the people around you who may not care about God for whatever reason? And would you be willing to offer the same grace God offered to you? Would you be willing to offer it to them? Look, my hunch is that a lot of you are here today or you're watching online because someone took a risk of growth and said to you, hey, why don't you come with me? Hey, why don't you check it out? Hey, I really think you, I think you'd like this place. I want you to hear what, I get to hear every week. So is there anyone in your life that God has placed in your life to extend grace to? How about growth? Are you growing in any way? Are you, are, here's a great question. Are you more of who God created you to be than you were last year? Are you today more of who God, are you a more forgiving person? 
Are you a more loving person? Are you a more generous person? Are you using your God-given gifts and abilities more today than you were a year ago today? Are you growing? Or do you kind of, are you just kind of on cruise control a little bit? Like, you know, just, I'm in, I'm in. I said yes, so I'm in. That's what counts. But you're not growing. God's invitation for you is to receive his gift of grace and then grow and grow more and more and more into who he's created you to be. When we begin to get that these two are actually inseparable and they make for us not only a great church where anyone and everyone is welcome to find and follow Jesus, but they actually create a great life with God, then you become an unstoppable force. You become an unstoppable force for God's love in this world. And this city, this world, is dying for you to live that kind of life. And so what I thought would be so fun is, is to give a little homework. We like to put our, this teaching into action. We like to be as spiritually practical as possible. So I want to give you a two-part homework assignment, all right? So I know you weren't even planning on getting homework today. You're getting a two-part homework assignment today. The first is when it comes to the area of growth. When it comes to growth, I want to lay down a gauntlet. I want to lay down a challenge. We're going to spend the month of July looking at the church, this first church in the book of Acts. And so here's the challenge. Would you read the book of Acts over the course of the month of July? Now there's 28 chapters in the book of Acts. Today is July 2nd. I think that's God's perfect timing. You can finish this in a month. All right, you can do this. You can read a chapter a day. You can read all of it today and, and look and see at what God began as this revolution and then begin to ask God, God, would you do the same in me? Would you make me an unstoppable force? So the growth challenge is to read the book of Acts over the course of July. I want to encourage you to do that. And then the grace challenge for you is, is there anyone, anyone in your life that needs to be sitting next to you next week? Anyone in your life that you need to extend some grace to? Is there a name that came up? You went, oh man, I want to, I want to invite so-and-so to come. I want to invite my boss. Or I want to invite my coworker. I want to invite my sister. I want them to just come, just to come and see and experience the grace that God has made available, the growth that is possible in him. So that's the homework assignment. The book of Acts, you can do that. And then who do you need to extend grace to? Who do you need to have sitting next to you next week so they can experience what we've experienced together here today? So what I'd love to do is pray for you towards that end. So I'm going to ask you to stand if you would, please. We're going to close out this message time before we respond to God and worship with prayer. And, and we take a posture of prayer here at Soul City. We do this every week. We open our hands up to God. I see a lot of folks already doing that. We think this is just a better posture of prayer. It's just open hands. So maybe if it helps to close your eyes and open your heart, open your hands to God, I'd love to pray for you and for this church. Let's pray together right now. Jesus, we thank you that you were not sort of either or, that you gave all of yourself for us. You gave your life through your death and your resurrection so that we could have life, so that we could say yes to you and keep saying yes to you. And thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit, which enables us to say yes to you and yes again and yes again to you. And so, God, I pray that we would become that kind of church, a grace and growth kind of church, that we become those kind of people, grace and growth kind of people that get what you've done for us and get that you're not done with us yet. So God, I pray for anyone who's been stirred by your word today, by your spirit today, that they would actually have the courage and conviction to take action, 
and to trust you, God, with where you're leading them. And as we do, God, we just want to stop and we want to revel and we want to declare, we want to sing, we want to proclaim how amazing this grace is. Who would we be without you? Where would we be without you? And so, God, we want to sing of your amazing grace that seeks and saves folks like me and leads us into greater life with you. And so we say that, we name that, and we sing that because of you, Jesus. Amen.